Good morning. It's great to see you. Raise your hands if you're cold. Sorry. Raise your hands if you're hot. Okay. I'll fix it in a minute. Let's stand up and sing together. together. Dear Lord, we thank you for this glorious day, and we thank you for the opportunity to come here and to worship you, and to worship you with our whole selves. And Lord, we pray that we will just make the most of our experience here with you today, and then just take it with us for the rest of the day and the rest of the week. In your name I pray. Amen.
this wet day. Turn and greet your neighbor and children, we invite you to come forward to join us here for a few moments of sharing. guys so good to see you on this sunny beautiful Sunday afternoon um, speaking of rain one of my most favorite things to do on a rainy day is to color and to draw do you guys like to draw do you like to color well yesterday when it was raining we were at home and we didn't have anything to do and I sat down and I made this beautiful picture and I'm really really proud of it okay so I'm gonna show it to you and I want you to tell me what you think about it all right you ready? What do you think? It is. It's upside down. What's upside down? The house is upside down. What do you mean? The tree's upside down. Well, what's wrong with the flowers? I thought the flowers were supposed to grow in the grass. Oh, so the grass is supposed to be down here. Well, what about the sun? Isn't the sun beautiful? Don't you think I did a good job with the sun? And this is me right here in the swing. What do you think about that? This is me swinging. I'm wishing it was summertime. What do you think about my picture? Is it all mixed up to you? <laughs> yeah, because if I were swinging in that tree, what would happen? I would fall out, wouldn't I? I would fall straight down onto the grass. Well, just like this picture, in this, into the sky, right? Well, thank you for helping me to see that it got all mixed up. And next time I draw a picture, I'll try to do a better job. But just like this picture that I drew, life can kind of get mixed up like this. And people sometimes can get mixed up. Sometimes when we say things that we shouldn't say or do things that we shouldn't do, we're getting all mixed up inside, and there's somebody waiting for us to straighten up and to realize that we've done something wrong. Do you know who that is? God. That's right. It's God. And it's not just children who mess up. Adults do, too. Adults sometimes fight and argue with one another, and sometimes adults say things that they shouldn't, and that's not right. So adults, just like children, have to figure out that what they've done is not right, and they have to ask God for forgiveness. We're lucky because we have a very patient God, and if we do make mistakes, like my picture, we can fix it and try again. Nobody noticed the birds were upside down. Well, that's because they were being nice, I think. They didn't want to really insult my picture. <laughs> but um, 
just remember next time when you do something wrong or you're with your brother and sister and you're fighting with your brother and sister or you're at school and you do something that you shouldn't, there's always God who can forgive you for that thing. You just have to realize what you've done. You have to be willing to ask for forgiveness. Will you guys pray with me? Okay, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these beautiful blessings that sit here before me. And thank you so much, Father, for giving us forgiveness when we need it. In your name we pray. Amen. And now for the news headlines. Time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. A midget fortune teller has escaped from prison. He's a small, medium, at large. Thank you. It's good to see y'all, too. Want one more? Here's one for Chris. <laughs> Here's one for Chris. A soldier who survived mustard gas and pepper spray is a seasoned veteran. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Good to see everybody here today. If you're visiting with us, we hope that you will come back often to worship with us. We have um, Sunday School at 10, uh, traditional worship uh, at 11 in our sanctuary. Today we're having Holy Communion out there, over there. So I um, invite you to stay for that and other activities in the day I will tell you about in a moment. Um, but first, let me give you an opportunity to write down concerns you might have that we might share with you in prayer. If you'd raise your hand, our ushers will give you index cards. And if you'll write something down that you don't mind me repeating, I will share your concern with all of us and we will join together in prayer. Okay, announcements. Um, reminders for the children. Join us for our regular Bible, our uh, Sunday night program of choir, mission kids, and Bible studies tonight, all ages. Um, there is a location change. The choir has been brought a little bit closer to here. We decided to have choir for the children in the social hall, which is the very next building over. Makes logistics a little easier for us and safety better as well. So when it's time for the children to go to choir, uh, please show up at the social hall. And if you usually pick up your child down in the um, choir room, instead come to the social hall today. Saturday is our St. Patrick's Day party. Kids will meet with Miss Katie in the social hall at 2 p.m. for fun and games, crafts, and snacks. We will wrap it up at 3.30 p.m. See you there. As we pass around the registry of attendance pad this morning there is a place in the corner for you to put some other information if you'd like uh, uh, your address or what would really be helpful to us if you want to receive our bulletin is your email address because we're emailing bulletins and newsletters now uh, to those who have computers uh, mailing to those who don't so if you if we don't have your email address that's why you're not getting correspondence uh, in the way of bulletins and newsletters from us. So put it over there. Write your email down beside your name, and I'll be glad to add you to the list. Also want to say to you that joining the church of the United Methodist Church is a real easy matter. Uh, we recognize all other Christian denominations. We recognize the form of baptism that you had as valid no matter how it was done. Uh, we're just all brothers and sisters in the faith. So if you would like to move your membership to this church, it's a, a very, very simple matter. We don't even vote on you. You make the vote. You choose. And if you so choose to join this church, you will, you will be welcomed. And we want you to know that. Please talk with me later. If you're a member of another church, it's a simple matter of writing to that church and requesting a transfer of membership. If you've never joined a church, it's a simple matter of, of joining us here. If you've never been baptized, I got a bowl right here this morning. So uh, we can take care of that for adults as well as children at any time. Hope you'll consider that. Administrative board will be meeting today after our 11 o'clock service uh, in the little room right outside the sanctuary, the Wesley Davenport room. 
Other announcements? Uh, Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scouts will be in the back this morning uh, fattening you up, selling their cookies. Uh, stop and shop before you leave. Uh, if you're, are there other announcements? Would you raise your card up if you're ready for your prayer card? And I think what we will do at this point is do the baptism, right, Andy? I think that is right. Then we'll come back and do the prayers. Um, it's a wonderful privilege today to share in baptism for uh, Bailey Ann Foster, one of our two foster children. And so we invite the parents and the little brother, if he's out here, and the grandparents. Huh? They're going to sit? They're going to sit. Okay. What about the father? Okay, good. Can there be Mike? Yes, thank you. Dearly beloved, baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Beloved parents, do you in presenting this child for holy baptism confess your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If so, will you say we do? Do you therefore accept as your bounden duty and privilege to live before this child a life that becomes the gospel to exercise all godly care that she be brought up in the Christian faith, taught the Holy Scriptures, and that she learn to give reverent attendance upon the private and public worship of God? If so, will you say, we do? Will you endeavor to keep this child under the ministry and guidance of the church until she, by the power of God, shall accept for herself the gift of salvation and be confirmed as a full and responsible member of Christ's holy church? If so, will you say, we will? Lord, we thank you for this child, a gift to this family of life and a gift to this church of life, an expression of your love for creation and your joy in giving life. We pray, Lord, that as Bailey Ann grows in her years, she might also grow in her understanding of your great love for her as shown in Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray. I think, yes, there is a part for you to respond. Members of the household of faith, I commend to your love and care this child whom we this day recognize as a member of the family of God. Will you endeavor so to live that this child may grow in the knowledge and love of God through our Savior, Jesus Christ?
It was a little hard to balance a microphone and a baby at the same time. It's time for our prayers. Let's join our hearts together. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this day, for your teaching, for the welcome that you give to children through baptism and the promise that we make together with their families to be there for these children, that they might learn the good news of Christ and your love, that they might be formed into disciples for Jesus Christ, and that they might bless your creation. And so we pray for all of our children this day. And these are our special prayers for this day. We pray healing for Lori Moore, Neil Weiss, and Leon Eubanks, and for a sister who is looking for a job. We pray safety for Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan, healing for Steve West, for those struggling in their marriage. We pray for Gamiel Tate, father of Angie Bryant, who is recuperating in the hospital after surgery for our ruptured appendix. We pray for your healing for Ken Taylor. We pray for new job prospects for those seeking work. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray saying, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I mentioned at our later service today, we're having communion, and so there's a different message attached to that worship hour. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I preached at 11 o'clock after Andy preached here at 9, and the people at 11 said, you know, Arthur, that's not a bad sermon. You ought to do that one again, and that's so rare that that happens, you know. <clears throat> so um, I thought I would share that word with you today even though it is on a text that Andy covered so very well for us uh, two weeks ago. Um, but it does allow me to tell uh, a couple of stories that I think you will appreciate. The gospel lesson is from Matthew 5, 38 through 48. Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give him your cloak as well, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun shine on the, good, on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Here ends the lesson. Ah, life in the 50s. Living in a brand new house thanks to a VA loan given to a World War II veteran, helping my mother, try again, 
Here we go. Helping my mother with our brand new washing machine. Anybody remember that kind of washing machine? Oh, yeah. See that ringer up top there? Uh, having to be very careful hearing my mother say, watch your fingers, watch your fingers, don't get pinched, you know, because those things would get you. Um, and then finally, after washing the clothes, going out back and using our solar dryer. It was a lot of fun to hang sheets out there on a cold winter day because they would freeze before they could dry. And I loved to go up with my dirty fingers and break them, you know. Of course, Mama then had to wash the sheets again. But anyway, uh, that was life in the 50s. Being in the first wave of the baby boomers, I was spoiled a bit by having all these good things our nation helped us get. And I was blessed to have a mother who could stay at home most days to be with my sister and me, and she would read book after book after book to us. My favorite of my old books was a politically incorrect one, I know, uh, by Joel Chandler Harris about Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and the Tar Baby, a story that will remain politically incorrect, I guess, due to the fact that it utilizes a, a, a Southern dialect, an African-American dialect. But since my mother w was raised by a woman who grew up in a Methodist parsonage down in Charleston, and had a real southern accent, if you ever heard one. My mother's the only person I know of uh, who made two syllables out of a utensil that we use. And we call a fork. Mama called it a file walk. Took her forever to get that word out. <clears throat> but um, so, you know, I, I guess I thought everybody talked like Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox. And at that time we lived in Whitney, where, never mind. But anyway, uh, the great lesson about the tar baby, uh, for a little boy especially, was that you ought to use your brain instead of your fist and your brawn. You see, first, when all methods of catching Br'er Rabbit had failed, Br'er Fox used his brain and created a tar baby. And when it wouldn't speak to him, Br'er Rabbit went bananas and started kicking and pounding and hitting the tar baby until he was stuck in that tar baby and he was caught by Br'er Fox. But whereas his fist had gotten him into trouble, Br'er Rabbit used his brain to escape, convincing the fox that there would be nothing worse for him than to be tossed over in the briar patch. And once he was in the briars, Br'er Rabbit cleaned himself up from all that tar and got away. The lesson was crystal clear. Little boy, use your brain and a little bit of humor and you'll find lots of wonderful, peaceful ways to get out of trouble. A life lesson that I often employed. Once upon a time, it even got me a job after I'd been turned down. I was a youngster in my 20, early 20s and I had hair down to about there. And I went for a job and was turned down and I met the uh, owner of the company on the way out and I said, hi, I'm Arthur Holt. And he looked at me and said, Martha who? And I smiled and laughed and said, time for a haircut. And he turned around and said to the service manager, give that man a job. So there's something about the uh, uh, soft answer that does indeed turn our way wrath. Let me tell you one other one. Uh, I've infected my son with this same off-brand humor that I've got. And, and it really has helped him in life in a lot of ways. Um, when you're in middle school, you're ta taunted and teased by your friends all the time for one thing or the other. And I thought he had a real wonderful answer one time when some, some, one of his buddies came up to him and said, John, you seem to be a little prissy. Are you gay? John looked at him and said, no, it's not Tuesday, and it's only on Tuesday that I'm gay. <laughs> Took care of that problem, you know, and, and uh, so a little bit of humor goes a long way. So anyway, as we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we hear Jesus' words that indicate that he wanted us to use our brains a little bit and do things in unexpected ways. Jesus suggested that some very strange behaviors might help us uh, in our hostile circumstances. These behaviors might even cause 
our adversaries to change because we short-circuit their brains. As long as we respond with hostility when we are treated with hostility, then people just don't change. But when you surprise them and do something they aren't expecting, turning the other cheek, for instance, our actions can actually cause them to re-examine their behavior. Jesus was certain that there was something about this crazy little thing called love that was more powerful than any other force in the world. Of course, we don't follow Christ's example just because we want to get certain results. We follow Christ's example because we ought to. He says it's the thing to do. Jesus practiced his words and he still went to a cross and was crucified. But he was consistent. And a lot of people were changed through his life. You and I will sometimes suffer even though we follow the rules of Christ. But sometimes we'll be surprised by some of the wonderful things that can happen. As the Apostle Paul said in quoting Proverbs if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. We're fairly familiar with turning the other cheek and of giving your coat as well as your shirt. Uh, we know we're not supposed to return insults with insults. Andy did a good job explaining going the extra mile, especially in pointing out to us that those were the days of foreign occupation of the Holy Land. And so what Jesus was suggesting in carrying the, the, the belongings of the Roman soldiers was pretty radical stuff. You know, that was helping your enemy uh, as he's marching through your community. Um, Jesus' words were probably thought to be very unpatriotic by some people, especially by the zealots who wanted to overthrow Rome. They had to be shocked by what Jesus suggested. It's important that you remember that because you and I talk about second mile like it's just a little extra effort. And Jesus was talking about really radical stuff here when he was suggesting that. Jesus gives as his reason for doing these things nothing less than being God-like, following God's example. God loves everybody, Jesus said. And he causes the sun to shine on good and evil, and he sends rain upon the good and the evil, the righteous and the unrighteous. You and I are so used to thinking about rain as a negative thing, we forget that in that very dry country, rain was a blessing. And, and Jesus is not saying that God sends evil on us. He says God sends blessings on us, the blessings of sunshine and rain. They're both needed for life. And God is the one who sends all this upon all people. And he encourages us to be like God, to follow God's example, loving our friends and enemies just the same. And then he adds in an almost humorous fashion, if you love only those that love you, how are you any different or better than pagans and tax collectors? They do that much. you got to do more. And then he calls us on to perfection, or really the word is maturity, that we would move on to maturity, away from pettiness, and be lovingly mature as God is in his attitudes and actions. It's a wonderful thing, as we've looked at some history in the last century, to see what the power of love is capable to, to accomplish. Indian leader Mahatma Gandhi read the words of Jesus, was challenged by the words. He said that it was a real shame that Christians don't live up to those words, but he decided he was going to. And he lived a life of peaceful resistance to the occupying forces of Great Britain, and he won independence for India. He brought about change. A few years after that, a young man named Martin Luther King was so impressed by what Gandhi was able to accomplish through peace and uh, peaceful witness that he decided to use the same thing in his method of drawing attention to the unfair racial laws and customs in our country. It's hard for us to imagine life back in the 50s and 60s and why we didn't wonder why 
our black citizens had to sit in a whole separate section way back in the back of our movie theaters, sit in the back of the bus. Where was our brain? But anyway, just last week or the week before, we saw the power of peace in Egypt as uh, a whole nation was brought toward a giant step toward democracy, not by terrorists, but by love. And I sure hope that the terrorists of the world took note of that fact and realized that the power of love did more in a few days than the power of their hate will ever be able to do. God's love is a wonderful thing, and in our individual lives, we can see people change if we will learn to love. Back in the 1970s, uh, there was a young man named Nicky Cruz, whose story became widely known because of a book and later the movie called The Cross and the Switchblade. Cruz was the leader of a Puerto Rican gang in New York City, and a young preacher in West Virginia felt burdened for these lost young men and went to New York City, little old mountain preacher, and decided he was going to reach those boys. When he first met Nicky Cruz, the preacher said that Jesus loved him and would never stop loving him. Nicky Cruz responded to this good news by slapping the preacher in the face and threatening to kill him right then and there. David Wilkerson responded, Nicky, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and every one of those pieces would rise up and say to you, Jesus loves you and will never stop loving you. After several more of these loving encounters, tough guy Nicky Cruz was won to Christ and he went on to have a very successful and continues to have a very successful ministry of his own with troubled youth around our country. You see, love can reach the coldest heart. The most dramatic personal experience I ever had with the power of God's love was back in the summer of 1971. I was a college boy working at a reform school that summer. Uh, working with teenage boys that had been put there by the courts after some trouble uh, with the law. Most of the boys were bigger than I was and uh, tougher and rougher. And I was too young to be considered much of an authoritative figure, so it was a real rough summer for me. They took constant advantage of me. One young man named Jimmy had absolutely no uh, respect or use for me whatsoever. After supper one evening, it was my job to go and conduct study hall for the boys to help them because they were going to school, even in the summer. Jimmy decided he was going to play pool instead of listening to me that night. I ordered him to sit down and study, and he ignored me, always keeping that pool table between me and him. I remember feeling the anger well up inside of me. And I was determined to beat this kid one way or the other or get beat trying. I was going to make him sit down and study if it was the last thing I did. So I grabbed a broom and I pinned him against the table with that broom until I could run around and grab him. He and I started wrestling each other and we rolled out the door and we got out in the grass and I stood up and he broke up into a stance like this and began cursing at me. I was still fuming with anger. I was so mad. But something happened in those moments when I saw him standing there that I just have to say it was God. Because suddenly I saw who Jimmy really was. He was a scared 14-year-old boy who had never known love from anybody, from a mother or a father or anyone else. He was a youth who was sick and tired of being unloved, and so I began talking with him. This is what I said. Jimmy, I really don't care if you obey me or not. I do care that you make something out of your life. I care that you get a high school diploma. I want you to have a good life, and I'm working here because I love you. Oh, he got mad and he screamed at me. You shut up, 
Nobody loves me. Nobody. I replied, Jimmy, you're wrong. The other counselors and I are here because we love you guys. And I'm here to tell you God loves you. And that's why I'm here. Man, you shut up, he hollered. And then he drew back his fist and let it fly right at me. And I prayed as I shut my eyes, Lord, help. Please give me the grace to get up off the ground, spit out my teeth, and tell this young man I still love him. He stopped inches from my mouth. I smelled the bacon grease on his hands. And he hollered, ha, 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 I made you flinch. And he went back in and began studying. And I stood there shaking like a leaf. I didn't realize until the next day, though, that love had made inroads into this young man's life. Because the next day I was assigned duty to lead the study hall again. And when I got back out there, this time I heard Jimmy preaching to his fellow students. This is what I heard. Hey, guys, don't give Arthur any trouble. We've got to study. It's up to us to make a life better for ourselves. And these guys love us. Let's work for them. Let's make a better life for ourselves. You know, I never had any more trouble out of Jimmy. I don't know whatever happened to him, but I never had any more trouble with him because God's love had made inroads into his life. It's a wonderful thing. Jesus envisioned a world where every one of us loved somebody else and that recipient of love loved somebody else until the whole world became a planet of people loving each other. Jesus still dreams and believes this today. And he calls us to be mature spiritually, to do things his heavenly father's way even though they are not natural, the normal way, but they can produce a worldwide revolution of love. Amen. I invite you now to stand as we affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Please be seated and we will worship God now by giving. For I know my 
can sing in the troubled times. Sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step and fall down again. I can sing cause you pick me up. Sing cause you're there. I can sing cause you hear me, Lord. When I call to you in prayer, I can sing with my last breath. Sing for I know that I'll sing with the angels and the saints around the throne. How can I keep from singing your praise?
Now may you go forth into the world as an agent of change, having been loved and embraced by Almighty God, to go and embrace and love others. Amen.